a privilege um, to be in front of you today and, and speak the word and being uh, privileged to speak into lives. And, you know, um, I, this is apart from everything this morning we're going to be ministering on. But something in my heart was, as we gather today, is, guys, we're not in this alone. There's strength in numbers. This life is full of challenges. And if you haven't had something major, I mean, God forbid, we don't invite those things, but stuff happens. But you're not alone. Somebody say amen. amen. We're not alone in this fight. And if you're the type of person who wants to go live on a mountain by yourself, um, I believe God, because of the God he is and the word that we have, he's made us for relationships. How I many you know that? You're made for relationships. When I was a young man, I was so shy. There was no way I could get up and speak in front of anybody. I remember my senior year in high school at church, their youth group was going to do something, and I thought, no! I don't want to get up in front of people. I hated it. Anybody else like that? Is there? Well, listen, God can change you, and God wants to change you. You were made for relationships. That's God's will. Do you get it? And the book that we have before us, the Bible, is a book all about relationships. So let's turn in the Word of God to our reading this morning from Acts 15, and we'll get right into that. And listen, may God bless our pastor as he has a time of relaxation. We love Pastor Owen and appreciate his years of faithful ministry uh, to the Lord and his beautiful wife, Shaloy, that has stood by his side faithfully for those years. Uh, amen. Yeah, give him a hand clap of honor. Amen. We're going to read in Acts 15 today, and I want you to follow with me. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Sounds like a good idea. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark uh, with him and sailed for Cyprus. Then he traveled throughout Syria and uh, uh, Sicilia and strengthening the churches there. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Let's pray this morning. Father, uh, just anoint my lips today. Open our ears to your heart that we may faithfully pursue your word. God, above all things, that we would not be a simple hearer of the word, but that we would literally become doers daily of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Something I realize, and it's come to me in the last couple weeks, um, as we get older, and there's none of us that aren't, okay, we're all getting older. Some of us may show our age a little more than others, but we're all getting older, right? That's a truth. But I realize the older we get, and this dawned on me, is the more perspective we have in life. How many have ever realized that before? I mean, even if you're 20 or 30, you realize that you know, people younger than you, you, you've been there longer, so you get more perspective in your life. And I, I believe if we follow the Lord, that's how we get wisdom. And that's why the Bible says, with those gray hairs, 
become wisdom because you get perspective, at least in part of that. So um, one thing I've found, it doesn't matter if I'm in full-time ministry, um, I've been there, or I'm working in the secular workplace, and I've been there, in there right now, um, it doesn't matter that things are not the problems we have. Uh, we don't have problems with things. We have problem with people. People are our biggest challenge. Don't be nudging anyone next to you. Just stay focused here for a little bit. But, but people are the challenge for us. Uh, if, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll find that that... Um, challenge with people really is concentrated around our family to begin with. I don't know what it is or why it is. I guess in some ways maybe I do, but I really don't understand why the people we love the most are the ones sometimes who we give the least amount of ourself or, or grace or kindness to. We tend to butt heads. How many husbands and wives know what I'm talking about there, right? I know. Nobody wants to raise their hand. But it's still the truth. It, it's challenging for us. And, and we know from um, the police and, and law enforcement that the number of domestic calls increase around any of the holidays. In other words, anytime people get together as family, there tend to be conflict, and that's when the police departments have to get involved. That's so sad, but it's, it's true. It's true. So Pastor Owen has asked me today to minister on the subject of restoring family relationships. That, this is a, uh, um, a subject that I think if you've not been challenged by it, you will be. It's just going to happen. As I was praying today um, about this, I felt like God really spoke this to me. I want everybody to listen just a minute. And I, I believe this is God. But some of you have had family relationships that have been broken down for a long time. And maybe that's been due to something you did. Maybe it's to the other person. But I believe this. I believe we're in a time that God wants to restore those relationships. I don't care if it's been one year or five years, 20 years or 30 years. Listen. It's a new day. Somebody say amen. It's a new day, and it's God's will and purpose in your life that you restore those relationships. So uh, what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to give you several points. We'll go through these pretty quick, and then I'm going to emphasize, I believe, some things from the Word. We just read in Acts 15 here, um, Someone has said that the Apostle Paul was probably one of the most holiest men in the Bible next to Jesus. And I thought about that for a while when I heard a pastor say that, and I thought, you know, as you read the Word, boy, there's probably some truth in that. So here we have in this text that we read this morning, the Apostle Paul, we also have Barnabas, um, that very uh, holy, godly men. And get this, everybody look up here and listen. Get this, they're right in the middle of writing the New Testament. They're right in the middle of spreading the gospel. They couldn't have been any more in the will of God than probably what they were. But guess what happened? They had a relational breakdown. Guys, if these great men of God had that, don't you know we're going to encounter this? And that, listen, 
you shouldn't think it unusual. Sometimes we start comparing ourselves with other people, and they go, well, I know Pastor Owen and Shaloi never have conflict. Why do I have conflict? Right? I know Phil and Anna Kimmer never have conflict. So why do I, you know, we begin to compare ourselves, and, and that is dangerous. But listen, again, I can't emphasize it enough. Don't think it weird or strange or out of place that this is happening, all right? Because even some of the greatest men and women of the Bible had these relationship breakdowns. As a matter of fact, in Acts 15, it said there that this agreement was so sharp, the conclusion was they separated. They separated at that point. Here's your first fill-in though, on your bulletin there, if you want to fill this in. Um, Satan has no new gimmicks or methods. <laughs> Think about that. The same lies he started in Genesis, he has no more tools in his toolbox. He does the same things. He has no new gimmicks or method. His number one thing, listen carefully, is his intention is to divide the church. He wants to put you against him and her against them, and, and he just wants division within your home, husbands and wives. Satan's goal, there's no new gimmick, no new method. He wants to divide you. He wants to separate you, and we have got to be savvy. We have got to be awake and alert because it takes two. Amen. It takes two husbands and wives. And, and we have got to understand that methodology that he uses. Your second fill in there um, is this. As believers, we have a huge advantage. Somebody say amen. As a believer, we have a huge advantage. And, and we say over who? Well, over other people who are knowledgeable of the Word of God. You see, I'm a firm believer, and Jackie and I have had the privilege and honor of, of a number of years now um, of teaching and ministering um, at Trinity Life uh, Ministry to these men who are coming in as um, addicts of one type or another to teach about uh, relationships, how you build them, how you maintain them, how you restore them. And um, I am, I'm, I'm a firm believer looking, as, as I see that, um, that as believers, God wants us to be experts at restoring relationships. Not just a pastor, not just a teacher. If you're a believer, God wants you to be an expert. Now you say, well, I don't know about that. I'm telling you, God wants you to be an expert, and we'll see that in his word in just a moment. And this is how we have a huge advantage we talked about perspective a moment ago. The older I get, the realize you have more perspective. My goodness, what about God's perspective? Does he have perspective? Oh, does he have perspective? The word of God is written from his perspective. So it makes sense. Why not look to the one who has greater perspective than we do? I know we've talked about this before, but it's like the 17-year-old telling his 35-year-old dad, Dad, I don't think you know what you're talking about. You know, We do the same thing with God. God, I don't think you really know what you're talking about, but that, really, that, that word doesn't apply to me. That, uh, you're, you're, you're out of touch. And that simply is not true at all. 
We know this in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. It's not in, in your notes there. But we know this. Listen, the Bible says that God has committed to us or given to each one of us who are born again the ministry of reconciliation. It doesn't say it's exclusive, like just this person or this group or these people. or It's all of us. Every one of us has been given the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? Biblical reconciliation is this. It is the process of two previously alienated parties coming together uh, to agree in peace with one another. I'll say that again. Biblical reconciliation is the process of two previously alienated parties coming together in peace with one another. And the Bible says the basis is this, because Jesus reconciled us to him. Listen, because Jesus reconciled us to him, we then are given the ministry of reconciliation to bring people to him But we know in the context of that, we can't do that if we're estranged or we're um, we're, uh, have a a division between us and the people we're trying to reach. That would be impossible. So we know God has given to us that ministry of reconciliation as well. So a couple points here this morning. The first one, Romans 12, 18. You've got it in your Bible there, or your Bible in your bulletin and in your Bible. But it says, if possible, everybody say, if possible. If possible, so far as it depends on who? No, not me, you. You. It says, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, what is that saying? If possible, so far as it depends on me or you, live peaceably with all. There's always two sides to every conflict, right? Everybody's got their input. Everybody's got their side when there's a relationship breakdown. But what God is saying here is as far as it goes by us as believers, as far as it goes by us, and we can't control the other person, but we can control us, right? Me. I can control me. I can't control you and vice versa. But as far as it goes by me, our call is to live at peace with everyone. Now you have to realize when, and as we're going to see here in just a moment, the dynamics of what that is, is that when we seek, please hear me, when we seek to live at peace with everybody, suddenly the presence of God is birthed into that situation. And we have influence. You don't realize how the power of influence Uh, that you have individually. You have the ability to influence so many people around you for good or bad. But when we act and live a peace-filled life, seeking to live at peace with everyone as far as it goes by us, suddenly the power and influence of God is birthed in that situation. And while we can't see it, When we begin to live out these dynamics of the Word of God, that is sowing seeds into other people's hearts and lives. It's it's as though you can't see it, but I'm telling you as I stand before you today, and you can see me, I can see you, it's happening. It's occurring. The power of God's 
influence on our part. This is it. So we seek peace, listen, by this, by, by genuinely demonstrating Christian love by doing everything within our power to live at peace with everyone. Yes, with everyone. Now that's a tall order, wouldn't you agree? I mean, that, that's a big, big call. And yet it's true, but if you have been mistreated, if somebody has just done you dirty, and there's many of us, if not most of us, have had that done, somebody just, you know, low life, they've done something to us, said something about us, that, in that situation, can be challenging. But yet the call of God, while it may seem like big or tall order, is not it's Romans 12, 17, 19 says here, is not um, to repay anyone evil with evil. Hello. The Bible says not to repay anyone evil with evil. Oh, wait a minute, Jeff. I thought you said you're going to be ministering on how to restore relationships. Now you're telling me, you know, this is the nuts and bolts of it, folks. Your call, it's not... Uh, it's, it's not some uh, secondary thing like, oh, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. It is God's call for us not to repay evil with evil. Somebody say amen this morning. That's God's call on our life. And then it goes on to say in verse 19 of Romans 12, to not take revenge. To not take revenge. We seek peace as we live our lives, by not fighting back. You hear me? Now, that goes against many of our, no, our ideology here. But we seek peace by not fighting back or repaying, as the Word of God says, wrong for wrong, but we strive, according to the Word of God, to give someone good instead of evil. And then you know what happens? The fighting stops. It takes two to quarrel. It takes two to disagree. But if I'm not going to fight with you, somebody say amen, you're just fighting yourself. And you probably look like an idiot. Can you imagine that? Somebody, I just, I just ranting and raving. And I know we probably, all of us know somebody like that, right? But they're just always ranting and raving, you know, always against somebody. But as far as it goes on me, if I choose not to fight with you, you're on your own, buddy. I seek peace in this situation. The Apostle Peter also teaches this. In 1 Peter 3.9, he says, Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, he says, repay evil with blessing. Why? Because, the Bible says this, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Do you hear that? You're the one that's blessed. Amen. When you begin to live out that way. So the next point, your next fill in there is this. Living selfishly kills family relationships, but, but putting others first promotes healing. Living selfishly kills family relationships Putting others first promotes healing, and we could say restoration as well. So this is the call of God on our life. 
not to live selfishly. Now, I don't know, this may be the first time you ever heard that. On the other hand, this is probably the 10,000th time that you've heard that. You're somewhere in that spectrum. But God is calling you not to live selfishly. Not to put yourself above the interests of other people. Throughout the New Testament, that's how Jesus lived. That's the call on our life. This is important. Listen carefully, and I want everybody to look up here. God calls us to live at peace with everyone. We agree on that. Amen? But that doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean that there are not times when we know according to the Word of God that we may have to stand on biblical ground to pursue, uh, still pursuing forgiveness or still pursuing a good relationship or a right relationship, but we may have to stand on the truth and expose some sort of evil or something that's, that's been done to us or someone else. And, and we need to learn um, to discern is the best way to say it. We need to learn to discern, all right? So how do we know when it's time to do this? How do we know when it's time to stand up or when it's time? We can ask ourselves a simple question, and this has come back to me throughout my lifetime. You might want to write this down in your notes. Write it down in the bottom part of the page. Learn to ask this question, if you would. In light of eternity, what difference does this quarrel make? In light of eternity, is this worth fighting about? What is that saying? I'm using the Word of God as my criteria. I'm taking the Word of God and I'm looking, is it worth fighting over the color of what the living room should be? I'm taking the Word of God and I'm, I'm applying it to my life, is it worth arguing what restaurant to eat at? Right? I mean, these are some of the stupid things that we have quarrels about. Now, obviously, there are some which are much more serious and concerning. If there's some sort of sexual abuse, physical abuse, then that's some, something worth standing up about. When within the criteria of God's word, the laws of the land are violated, then we know that's something to stand up about. It doesn't mean we just roll over on all these things. But our goal, even in that, is still reconciliation. It's still restoring that relationship. And we miss this. Sometimes the greatest thing we can do to help someone is by speaking truth. How many know that? By speaking truth. It can be tough. It can be hard. But we need to make sure our family, our friends, our brothers and sisters know that they are invited to speak the truth into our lives even when we don't want to hear it. You do that? Some of us are hiding in the shadows of our past. And as Pastor Owen has said, and I, I, I live by this, I use it in counseling. Folks, when you break the silence, you break the stronghold. How many found that to be true in your life? So many ways, so many ways that we see this in our life. So we need to know, you know, learn to discern. So what do we see? I like what is known as the three C's here. 
uh, based upon the Word of God. So when you're looking at some sort of offense, you can look at this. Your first fill-in there is the first C is do you cover an offense? Do you cover it? The second one is do you confront it? So do you cover it or do you confront it? But the third C is but whatever you do, don't let it cook. See, oh, okay, cook, and we'll tell you about that in a minute, okay? So number one, do we cover an offense? Proverbs 19.11, amongst so many scriptures, um, says this, good sense makes a man restrain his anger, and it is, it is his glory to overlook a transgression or an offense. It is to his glory to overlook a trans, transgression or an offense. Now, there's many, many, many things that fall under covering. I don't want to expose it. I don't want to embarrass somebody. I don't want to get revenge. I choose, because of God's grace operating in me, looking at the Word of God to make a choice to say, you know what, I'm just going to cover it. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and, and we need to learn restraint in this area, believe me. In this day and age, if I got rights and my rights have been violated, you know, that tends to permeate in families and children and husbands and wives. And, and listen, we need to keep the world out of the church. We need to bring the church into the world. Amen. But we don't need the world and their ways in the church. There are many, many things we can cover. However, there are some things in light of eternity, in light of Scripture, that in Galatians, it says this, 6.1, Dear brothers and sisters, if, any, uh, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. So if you see someone caught in a sin, if the conflict you're having in your life is a result of that person's sin, and you need to be careful and you need to be discerning, then you should go to that person in the right attitude, gentle, humble, to help them to restore that person. The next verse says we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. Well, there again, that's a tall order. Galatians 6.2 says it, that we are to bear one another's burdens. How many are burden bearers here? Three of us? Okay. I'm hoping for more by the end of the message, all right? We are to bear one another's burden. It's a tall order again. It's, it's something huge. It's something big. Folks, but these things are not up for debate. If you really want to restore a relationship, apply the Word of God. Learn to activate it into your life. But the last C is this. You never should let something in relationships sit there and seethe or cook on the inside. In other words, if you go, well, you know what, I choose to cover this offense, but you wake up the next morning and you're thinking, that dirty dog, yeah. I need to let him have it with both barrels. Well, you need to go back. Why are you thinking that? Is that just your flesh? Or is there something more? You need to discern, do I need to cover it or do I need to confront this? Right? And if you can't cover it legitimately, then you need to confront it. But don't let it sit there and create the bitterness on the inside. We know that Hebrews, one of the 
very powerful verses in the New Testament. 12, 15, the New Living Translation says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out, hear that, watch out, that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. If you let something on the inside of you that somehow you're not choosing to really cover and legitimately let it go, and you're not willing to confront it, to allow it to be dealt with, um, if you're not careful, that'll fall down on the inside of your soul. The soul is the mind, the will, the intellect, and you have a poisonous plant growing on the inside of you. As a matter of fact, maybe daily we can encounter people and you walk up to them and you go, what is their problem? You ever done that before? Just bitterness seethes out of them. They're so sarcastic, you know, and, and you just go, wow, maybe we need to pray for that person. Maybe it's the person you're having the conflict with. So the second thing, how do you respond to conflict? Um, you've got uh, a little chart, and it's not in your handout there, and I don't think you're going to have it on the screen, but um, there's a little chart called the slippery slope uh, of conflict. And in, these, in this particular chart, it kind of shows how we deal with. Some of us, when we are uh, in conflict, we choose an escape mode instead of godly, in a godly fashion and manner, confronting uh, problems that, that we're having in a relationship. Or you can fall into the attack mode. But what we really want to find is what we call, excuse me, the work it out mode. In the escape mode, we run from our problems. In the escape mode, we blame other people. In the escape mode, we deny that there's a problem. What problem? And I would just imagine somebody here has what I call the default mode, or that's how you handle problems. You either run from them, you blame people for it, or you deny it exists. Maybe we've all been guilty of it, right? Or we can fall in the attack mode. What's that? We gossip, we put people down, or we fight. All right? The attack mode is you gossip or you put people down or you fight. Or maybe you're both doing the escape in the attack mode. Maybe you're the one that blends both of them together. You need to stop or maybe you should ask the person sitting next to you, which one of these do I tend to do? Am I more of the escape person or am I more of the attack person? Or possibly are we the work it out person? In the work it out mode, and of course this is the right one, we, if we can, we overlook offenses. We talk, have dialogue with the person, or we just go for counseling. We try to get help, talk to a mature uh, Christian, brother or sister in the Lord, been there, done that. One of the pastors, somebody, you go to get help, all right? So if you're a peacemaker, you're going to work it out. If you're a peace faker, you're going to escape. And if you're a peace breaker, then you're going to go into the attack mode. You find yourself probably in one or more of these categories. Now, if you're like me, it is my prayer. And listen, it takes prayer. It takes God working in our lives to get us in that middle work it out mode. But God will do it. 
I stand before you to tell you he does it, he will do it, he will continue to do it. That's his will. Somebody say amen this morning. The fourth thing that you have in your fill out there, when conflict occurs in a relationship, especially in a family, it can either be a point of growth or a point of breakdown, sometimes to destruction. And I say this to give you hope. I'll say it again. When conflict occurs in a relationship or a family, it can either be a point of growth or a point of breakdown and sometimes destruction. Why? I give you hope in this sense. Because when those things happen in our lives, um, you have a choice to make. It's up to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's up to you. Go ahead. Turn to your neighbor. It's up to you. It's really up to you. It's up to me. It's up to you. How am I going to handle this? If I choose, and, and I've seen it happen so many times, and I'm so grateful for those testimonies people have, when they've had a breakdown, when a couple's ready for divorce, uh, when a child is blowing up or uh, the parent has blown up and, you know, or a friend or a Christian brother or sister, you part ways. Um, that can be a point where God can work for good in your life and do a miracle. You see, you never have a testimony without a test. And your testimony out of that test can be, man, I saw God work. I saw what it would be if I applied the truths of God word, God's word into my life to see this restored. Folks, everybody listen, write it down. God, without doubt, God wants you to be an overcomer. It's his word. God wants you to be an overcomer, not to be overcome. Daily. Daily. Not just in relationships, but in every way possible. God wants you to be a victor. Somebody say amen. God wants you to be a winner in his eyes, not in the world's eyes, but to be a victor. But listen to this. It continues to happen. We don't want to develop a victim's mentality. We do not want to develop a victim's mentality. And you know it. When you talk to some people, oh, woe is me. The way I've been treated, if you knew what I went through. How many of you know all of us have went through junk in our lives? We just choose not to talk about it always. Other people, they want to publish it. You should have seen what I went through. You should have seen how he treated me or how she treated me. or Man, what I went through growing up. You know, I heard somebody say this some time ago, and it's so, so accurate. Do you realize the way God made us, everything's pointing forward? Your eyes point forward. Your ears point forward. Your hands are forward, not backwards. Which way are your feet? You know, forward, right? There's only one part of you facing backwards, and we know what that is, right? That's all the junk comes out. God wants you going forward. And in relationship breakdown, God wants you to be going forward. He wants you to be an overcomer. He wants you to be a victor. And, and I'm, I'm convinced of this, and maybe we'll realize it, maybe we won't. When we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, it may well occur to us 
that one of the number one resources that we just didn't tap into enough was the power of prayer. The power of prayer. We talked again about perspective. The older we get, if you've served the Lord for some years, you realize that prayer really does work because we have a God who works. But why is prayer our last resort when it should be the first resort? Come on. Say out your amen. It should be the first thing we do. You should be praying all over that relationship. You see, some of us can't because it's all about us. And our, our thoughts just don't turn to the other person. It's about me. Do you know how I was treated? Do you know what I went through? Did you see that? Boy, if I told them, if the rest of the world knew about this, they'd really be on my side. Instead of going, you know what, man, I need to invite God into this situation. Now listen, I know none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. I don't always get it. Jackie loves to bring up stories in our house, how things go a lot of times. When we're in front of the men on our Monday night group when we're teaching, uh, she'll say, do you mind me telling this story? And she never gives me the chance to say no. <laughs> she tells the story. So the other night, we're in our house, it's cold, and we got this little furry critter in our home. <laughs> sometimes she's a blessing, sometimes she's a curse. And somebody's got to let that dog out, you know? We're cozy, we've got the afghan on, we're sitting there, and Jackie, we have a little bell on the door that the dog goes over and the, door, the dog will ring the bell when she's got to go out, and the bell starts ringing. I always think of that song, ring the bell, oh, ring the bell. No. And she begins to ring the bell, and Jackie goes, like, instantly, she goes, it's your turn. <laughs> it's your turn. And, and me as the gracious husband that I am, I say, yes, dear. No, I didn't say that. I go, do you realize something like this? I've worked all day long. You've been home. She only works three days a week, right? So she's been home all day long. I get home from work. I'm pooped, you know, had knee surgery at the end of last year. It gets kind of sore this time of year. I'm sitting there, and, and I say, you know, uh, well, you can do it. You know, again, I'm tired. I'm, you know, whatever. And, and then she goes... And she goes, I've been home all day long. I've been cooking and cleaning and sweeping and dusting and, you know, goes through all this list. Well, none of us are perfect. But I decide to get up and I let the puppy out, right? And we're sitting right there by one another, if I recall. I sent her a text. I did. <laughs> and I said something like this, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, no pat on the back to me. I'm just telling you it's real, right? It's just how stuff happens. But in light of eternity, I got up. Once I got up, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> I let the dog out. You know, we did all that. And, and I know, you know, I know God's goal is for my wife and I to be in agreement, right? perfect agreement, and, and so I did it, and of course, she read it, and she didn't say anything else. We just reached over and held hands, and, you know, things moved forward from that point for the better, right? 
But those are the exact kind of things that can divide a house. If that goes on day after day after day, and there ain't probably going to be a pretty relationship there. Would you agree? So, you know, when it comes to these matters, and sometimes that's kind of a joking small thing, there are some much bigger, broader, you know, terrible things that have happened. We need to be praying about it, and we need to be, listen, everybody look up here. We need to be praying about it, but we also need to give an attentive ear to what God is saying through his word so that we might activate that word. In other words, do I need to cover it? Do I need to confront it? But not let it cook, okay? And be open to the word of God of what do I need to do in this situation, all right? We need to ask the Lord, what am I supposed to do in this situation? 1 John 5.14, real quick, says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. You hear that? This is the confidence we have in approaching God. It says, if we ask anything, you hear that? If we ask anything according to his will, not my will, his will, he hears us. Wow, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. No, so what, what is being said here? If I have unconfessed sin, I get that out of my life. Because if I know I wasn't in a right relationship with my wife, and I go to pray, guess what? What comes to my mind? I didn't act right. I'm, am I the only one that that happens to? Or did anybody else have that happen? Raise your hand up if you would. Okay, 25 of us. I hope more of us will get on board with that one. But if I go to pray and I don't have the confidence that God's going to hear me because of unrepented sin or something I'm doing, the way I'm acting, guess what? You're not going to get an answer. Right? That's what it's saying. But I have a confidence if it's unconfessed sin, if it's a relationship, whatever, I do it, I restore it, and then I have a confidence that not maybe, but God is going to answer that prayer. Amen. So the last thing, last point today, is this. Dress for success, not failure. Dress for success, not failure. I'm not talking about the color shirt or dress or shoes, but we're talking about the spiritual attire that we wear. So what we're talking about, dress for success, is that we set ourselves up to be a winner, not a loser. And this is how we do it, all right? The world's way, excuse me, the world's way is, is captured many times, and, and we've all maybe fallen prey, but again, the ways of the world, we want to keep, keep out. Um, the world's way uh, can have such power and influence in our lives, and, and it's not always the right method or the way to go about things. In, in December 1965, the Beatles had a song that um, uh, Paul McCartney and John uh, Lennon wrote. It was called, We Can Work It Out. Maybe you've heard that song before. We Can Work It Out. And, and they wrote this song, and one of the lines captures this. It says, try to see it my way. That's good. <laughs> I want you to see it my way. Huh? I mean, it sounds plausible, but then he goes on to say, only time will tell if I'm right or I'm wrong. 
uh, while you see it your way, there's a chance that we may fall apart before too long. So the world's method is, okay, we're going to sit down, we're going to work this out. You see it my way. And then that'll take care of everything. And the other person, oh, no, 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 no. No, you see it my way. And so this one says, you see it my way, that one says, see it, and they go nowhere. But as Christians, everybody hear this, it's not my way or their way, it's God's way. Amen. It's not my way I want to see it. Now, now, if I'm acting in the Word of God, then I guess it could be my way. Or the other person is acting on the Word of God, then it could be their way. It's really God's way. But this is what we're after, is to see it God's way. So what, how do we dress for success? Colossians, and you get your pen out. I want you to note this in Colossians 3. Look at your bulletin. Colossians 3, 12 through 15. This is the NLT. It says, since God chose you to be what kind of people? I want you to circle the word holy. Holy people that he loves, you must clothe. Here we go. Put it on. We must clothe uh, yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Wow. Then it says, make allowance, woo, make allowance for each other's faults and do what? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord, this is a good reminder, the Lord what? Forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, and put on or clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in what kind of harmony? Perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Folks, here is the formula for restoring relationships. Again, as far as it depends on you or me as believers, I'm going to live at peace with everyone. i got to put on, I've got to clothe myself with the right type of clothing, and this is it. This is it right here. This is the formula for God's success. Clothe, clothe yourselves, tenderhearted mercy, kindness, underline those, humility, gentleness, and patience, and I like the Amplified Bible says patience, it gives you the definition, patience which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper. Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Listen, when you have those you know, that clothing on, kindness, you know, tenderness, we're, we're loving, gentleness. It's hard for people to fight against that. I mean, they may for a while. But I'm telling you, this will revolutionize your life. It'll revol revolutionize the way your relationships. And then, then it says, make allowance, or that is make room, make space for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Listen, what's your household like? Now, we've got, I think, and I, I know some of us, I think we had or did have, I'm sure my wife will correct me when we get home, but I think we have that little sign somewhere in our house, or it used to be, 
that's my disclaimer, that says, in this house, you know, we do, remember, how many of you got that little sign? We do forgiveness, we do grace. Anybody got that sign in your house? Angela, I know you've got it in your house, and Gabe, I saw it on your wall the other day somewhere. Do you know what's on your wall? Check out what's on your wall. <laughs> but it, it, and it, it is, you know, this is what we do in our house. What kind of house do you have? Do you have zero tolerance for making room for others' faults? No, that's it. The ax drops. You're out of here! You know? Is that how you act? Or is your home a home of grace and patience? You know, and, and, and the, the word says to dress in love. Love, love being defined. Write this down if you don't know it already. Love is defined as wanting the highest good for another person without motive of personal gain. I love Adam. Adam, I love you. Hey, nothing in return. I just love you. I mean, you can play later, but anyway. But I love you. And, and imagine if a friendship, imagine if a household, imagine if a marriage is run on that definition of love. That, that, would, be, that would be huge. So in all this, as we're landing the plane here, Folks, if we obey God, we have the power of his influence into that situation. You're not on your own. You're not operating in your own power. Somebody say amen. We know this. We know that Paul and Barnabas did reconcile. It's clear that they did. The work of the Lord continued to go on, and they did reconcile. Um, and lastly, let me say this. Matthew 5, 25, and I know we've got 23 and 24 there, but the last part of that in your bulletin, verse 25 says this, settle matters quickly. Everybody understand that? You hear that? Settle matters quickly. This is what Jesus is saying in one of the chapters. 5, 6, and 7 are some of the most powerful chapters because Jesus lays out really how we live, a ministry to the church. It's just filled with such important information. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Now, it doesn't have to be a court. It could be in your house. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. All right? So Jesus says, do this quickly. Do it quickly. If you let it go, it's only going to fester. Life is short. Eternity is long. Life is short. Eternity is long. It's a new day for a new way. I want you to bow your head, if you would, with me this morning as we close. I don't know where you're at. I don't know everyone's life or their relationships, but I want to tell you this. If you can leave with anything this morning, just a couple things. Number one, if you've had a long-term breakdown in a relationship, whether it's a spouse, whether it's an ex, whether it's a, a worker, a neighbor, a father, a son, a daughter, a parent, whoever it is, and it's been going on and on, I believe we're in a new day, new way. As far as it goes by you, brother or sister, live at peace. Clothe yourselves with what God has called us to in his word. Keep a hold of this. Know what you're to do, how you're supposed to act. And I believe this. Listen carefully. For many of us, your decision to work through a relationship can have such futuristic outcomes. 
you're choosing not to work through some relationship breakdown in your family can have effects on your children and on your children's children. You can curse that next generation. They're watching you, mom and dad. Coworker, they're watching you. They're watching to see how you're going to respond, what you're going to do. Or if you do good, if you settle that, that next generation is going to have a powerful influence. I remember when my dad did this. I remember when my mom did this. I remember when my brother or my sister did this. I remember when I went to that church, how that brother reacted. Man, that was just the expression of what Christ should be in the world. Listen, we can have an effect for good or bad. If you're here today, I'm going to ask everyone to stand first of all. And our intention is not to embarrass anyone. But if you'd bow your head one more time. Just bow your head. I know you're getting up, getting a coat, getting cups and water and all that stuff. But just before we leave this building, if you're here today and, and you've heard the the voice of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God speaking in your life to say, you know, I need to go fix that relationship. I want you to do this. Without hesitation, just put your hand up and put it down right now. Put it up, put it down. That's all you got to do. Amen. I believe this, a new day. Folks, as you step out and you begin to obey, God's going to bless that. One way or another, you're the one, as we read in the Word, it's going to be blessed. If you're here today and you don't know Christ and you like what you hear, but you've never really applied the Word of God to your life or learned the Word of God because you've not been a believer. Listen, this is the place, this is the time to get in a right relationship with God. More than likely, it's not going to happen when you go to work tomorrow or school tomorrow. All right? If you're in, a, in, in, in life right now and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we want to give you the opportunity to come to Christ today. And I'll ask you to do this just... After the service is over, I'm going to be up here. Pastor Taylor, if you'd come up here. We're going to be up here. And, and if you're just, or maybe you're drifting in your relationship with Christ, but you don't know Christ, I'm going to ask you just to step out after we pray and come, come to this altar. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray for your word to go with us. I pray that our lives would be changed. None of us are perfect. We're in this together. We need one another. Father, I pray that you would move in your church to accomplish your will and restore family relationships that are broke down in Jesus' name. And if there's someone here who doesn't know you, let them be a man or woman enough to address that and come to this altar now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you as you're dismissed today.